Good afternoon. Open your Bibles tonight to Revelation 3. Uh, we'll start with a reading of 14 through 22. This is the admonition to the church of the Laodiceans there. Uh, Revelation 3, let's start with verse 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These saints says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, but you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight as we, Lord, come to uh, this letter again to the people of Laodicean Church. And I pray, uh, Lord, as we just take our time to open up the Scriptures and to meditate, to think upon, Lord, the things that you said to the people there, I pray that we would come, Lord, willing to have an, an honest evaluation, Lord, of ourselves. And Lord, that we would be willing to see, uh, Lord, if indeed we are lukewarm. And Father, if we see that, that we would obey the admonition to, um, to draw close to you in repentance and to be zealous for you. Uh, Father, help us to have true zeal for Christ. Lord, I pray that you would... Uh, search our hearts and know them, we pray. Sh show us and reveal to us if there be uh, the wicked way of lukewarmness in us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, and amen. All right, it's been a month actually since we did our first uh, lesson from this. I don't know how many we'll have. Um, I'm working probably on at least four or five uh, for this. But in our first lesson on the lukewarm church, just by way of remembrance here uh, tonight, uh, the church in Laodicea, we mostly took note here of how that out of all the churches that were mentioned in Revelation that are addressed, that it is the only one that did not have anything positive said about it. Um, even, even Ephesus, who, who we think of, boy, that's just a really bad church, they left their first love. Jesus actually told them, He said, 
uh, that they had tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And so, so he had something positive in there even in that, that they had persevered and had patience and labored for his name's sake and, and they had not become weary. And, and so even, even the church at Ephesus had some positive things said of it. Um, so this really informs us how bad of a spiritual state lukewarmness is. And, and so we, we need to take that serious, I think, because I believe we could say, when you look at all the churches, well, we don't have fornication, maybe we don't have uh, the prophet Jezebel preaching, you know, as one of the churches did. It, we, we don't have this idolatry that they had. And that might be true. But we, we could be, I'm saying we could be without a lot of those things that they had and could be lukewarm. And so, to me, that sets off an alarm button to me because there wasn't anything visual that you could point at and to the church of Laodiceans and say, there it is, there's that thing you're doing. There's nothing specifically pointed at. They just had a spirit of lukewarmness. And so I think it's important for us to understand uh, how, one, how terrible it is and really how sneaky it can be, how subtle it can be to be in this shape and really be in really bad shape to where the Lord would say, I'd vomit you in my mouth, and yet maybe not have anything to pinpoint and say, well, we got this idolatry here, or we're doing this over here, but it's a spirit of lukewarmness. God does not like it. Um, so it really tells us how bad it is. Even the, even the church at Pergamos, <laughs> who had those held the doctrine of Balaam, who had taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols, to commit sexual immorality. Even, even that church was told something positive by Jesus. He said that they had uh, held fast to His name and did not deny the faith in the days of Antipas. So He kind of went back to find something positive about them that they had done. And it was def- they, they stood up for a faithful martyr uh, at, that t- during, at that point in time. Now, now, this comparison of these churches, we said this, in no way belittles their sins. You know, it doesn't belittle the sin of idolatry uh, that was in them. It doesn't do any of that at all. That's not the point. It's not to say, well, those sins aren't that bad. It's to really point out how bad lukewarmness is. That this, with this spirit of lukewarmness in this church, there, there's nothing good said about it. Now, another thing we took notice of is the fact that there is no description of any particular sin. I mean, what is lukewarmness? I mean, we're going, to, we're going to hopefully find that out over a period of time, uh, but there's no specific sin. In other words, it isn't identified here by idolatry. It isn't identified here uh, by tolerating or permitting sexual immorality. Um, though I think that could be a sign of lukewarmness in some areas, it's not mentioned here. That's the point. They are... They, uh, the others had allowed, as we said, a false prophet, a woman prophet to teach. But the church of Laodiceans were never told anything particular. And we have to keep that in mind. It was more of an indictment against their spiritual temperature. Really nothing, really not doing anything really bad. Not really not on fire for doing anything really good either. And so it's, it's right there in the middle. It's right there in the middle. And, and so we've got to be careful. The Lord does not like that. Um, and, and they really had no self-awareness of, at all. Uh, he says, you think you're one thing, but you're another. 
And so they had no self-awareness of where they were at with the Lord. They thought they were rich, but the Lord says, you're poor. Now, again, as stated in our first lesson, they, they were greatly deceived and unaware of their spiritual temperature. They could look at themselves and, and not see anywhere, not see anywhere that they needed to change. They couldn't see it. And, and so... I think it's good to really reflect on this because I think that any of us have been Christians a long time. We don't, you wouldn't want to be a lukewarm person or a lukewarm church. If you can take an honest evaluation in your life and say, oh, Lord, help me. I need to improve here. I need to improve here. I need to focus on this. I just want to be closer to the Lord here. I need to grow here. And then you're not lukewarm. If you're having an earnest desire and seeking after the Lord. See, they didn't, they didn't see their need. They didn't, wasn't aware of any need. And it's better to be far off from the Lord at one point in your life and say, oh, I'm far from the Lord, I need to get close. It's better to be that than to be in the middle somewhere and say, I'm fine. I'm fine. And that's where they were. They were greatly wrong about where they were spiritually. Now, when we realize that, and when we understand that about their spiritual state, it really should cause us to kind of sit up and get a little bit serious about this. And so we need to have a willing eyes and heart to really want to see our, our, our true spiritual temperature. Could we be lukewarm and possibly not know it? I think we can because they were. Now if we are lukewarm, here's another question. Do we want to know it? I really don't want to know because I don't want to change. Well then, yeah, you're lukewarm. <laughs> because that's where they were so so hopefully we want to know about it if we do not want to know about it then i would mostly certainly say that's a sign of lukewarmness now and maybe even worse if if we are if we know about it uh would we be then the laodiceans because they were lukewarm and did not know about it we don't know how they responded to this and uh, the, the bible doesn't say that they could have heard this and and many of them possibly could have gotten right with the lord and so we don't, but we don't know that. Um, but if they did nothing, if they did nothing after the Lord told them, told them this, then they were even in worse shape because now they knew they were lukewarm and they do nothing. But now they've been told. And that's, that's, that's the point. What do we do whenever the Lord reveals it to them? When the Lord speaks to us through His Word and reveals something to us, about our life that needs a change, that's we're lukewarm or we're, we're off here, are, are we willing to deal with that or we just go on? That's a sign of lukewarmness, I think, is that you are comfortable in your sin even when the Lord points it out very directly from His Word. Do we change when, when we come to the Scriptures and it reveals things to us? Um, so what will we do, really, as individuals or as a church if the Lord shows us that we're in a spiritual state of lukewarmness. Will we believe it? If we believe it, will we then repent and become zealous for our Lord? That word zealous there, we want to highlight that each, each message because the remedy for lukewarmness was to repent, to have a change of mind, and to be zealous. That word zealous speaks of heat. Be zealous and repent. We need to be zealous for the Lord. See, the hand of the Lord, but in this one sense, oh, He's out the door, uh, but they weren't zealous for Him. They were kind of in the middle. And we'll get to more of that in a future message. 
Now, let's go to something here now that we can see in the Laodicean church that reveals lukewarmness. I mean, what is lukewarmness? I want to deal with this tonight that I see here in the Scriptures that in this lukewarm Laodicean church, I see a spirit of independence and self-sufficiency. A spirit of independence and self-sufficiency. Now, this at first I really think can be seen, and the reason I'm dealing with this one first is because I really think you see it right out of the gate. I think it can actually be seen in the, in the very beginning in the address to the church itself. Because notice the language here. The language in the very beginning of the address is different than the address to the other church. And to the angel, look at the language because it, it's significant. And to the angel of the church, of the Laodiceans. Now that's different. It's not much difference, but it's, it's enough different to make you think, Maybe there's something to this. Um, to the others, it was said something like, to the angel of the church in Smyrna. The church in Smyrna. Uh, the angel of the church in Pergamos. Or to the angel of the church in Thyatira. So it's speaking of the church, the individual body, in a given location. Okay, uh, The church at Ephesus was addressed a little different but it said to the angel of the church of Ephesus. So almost the same as the others. So the, the other churches are, are addressed more as a church body that is given in a given location. This addressed to them as the church of the Laodiceans. So it's a church not in a given location, it's a church formed of the people. The church of the Laodiceans. It didn't say the church in Laodicea but a church of the Laodiceans. They are addressed as a church of the people, a church by the people, and not as a church of the Lord in a specific place. So this in itself might be a sign a little bit of their, their spiritual aptitude that they have. So that in itself may be a sign of uh, self-independence or self-sufficiency. A church that was all about the people themselves, shaped and molded after their own expectations, their own wants, their own desires, and not the Lord's desires. A church that was empowered by the people without the power of the Lord, who was seen really on the outside knocking on the door. Now, whether the way of the church is addressed here or not is a sign of independence or self-sufficiency, that, that spirit is, is seen in other places in the letter as well. Um, as said that they looked at themselves and Jesus says that they said, they of themselves, they said, we have need of nothing. Now, Jesus of course reveals to them that they were in great need, uh, and, but they didn't see it. So they had a spirit that could look at themselves and, and, and felt very satisfied with their condition. We don't need anything. They didn't need anything and they didn't need, any, need anybody. Now, nor, normally when we speak about not needing anything, it can be a very good thing, can it? And so this can be a, a little bit deceiving when you first look at it or think about it. 
in a spirit of contentment, it is good to say, I need nothing. In a spirit of contentment, it's very good to say, Psalms 23, 1, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not be in need. Very good to say that. Very good to say that. It is good to be content in Christ. Uh, you know, when Paul in Philippians 4 said, For I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content, that was a good thing because right after that he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Those are statements of contentment that included the Lord being a shepherd and Christ working in them. The people of the Laodicean church was saying, I have need of nothing. But this was not a spirit of contentment because they had the presence and the power of an all-sufficient Christ. Listen, there's people in the world, sometimes we, we go to people and we try to convince them they need Jesus, and they say, boy, you're, you're going to feel so satisfied and content when you have Jesus. Let me tell you what, lost people can feel very, pretty satisfied and pretty content with the world. That may not always work, folks. <laughs> um, it's a temporary contentment. It, it is a self-sufficiency that's going to fail them one day. Uh, but not all lost people are feeling at the moment that they're just totally empty and, they, and, and all that. I mean, they don't always feel that way. The church of Laodiceans said they had need of nothing, but it was not because of the presence and power of Christ, because where is He? He's on the outside. And so they're not saying they have need of nothing because of Jesus with them. They were saying they had need of nothing because they had other things to replace Christ. They had their riches, obviously. They had wealth. I think this was a very wealthy church, and we'll talk more about that at another time. So, when we look at ourselves as individuals or we're wanting to see our own spiritual temperature or at, a, or at our church possibly as a whole, do we, do we look at ourselves and say, you know what, we're okay. We're, we're doing good. We, we don't need anything. We don't need anything. Is it because, here, here's the key question, do, do, we, do we feel like that in the sense because we're just so content in Christ? Christ is everything to us. We love Him. We worship Him. We're serving Him. We want to honor Him. We want to glorify Him. We love His Word. Boy, life is good. I can't ask for anything else in life. And that kind of contentment. That's a good contentment. We're depending upon His care. We're depending upon Him to sustain us. Upon Him to be our everything. Or... Is it because we are so comfortable in this world because we are prosperous, things are going well, we're comfortable, and we're good? You know, the, the Laodicean people had worldly wealth, but they were without, at this moment, the one who owned it all. They likely had some of the nicest of clothing. Uh, for that time period because of the industry uh, in Laodicea. At that time, they were known for their clothing. Yet they were not clothed with the presence of Christ. 
and were not abiding in Him. They were not content in Christ. They were independent of Christ. They were self-sufficient, in need of nothing or nobody, even Jesus, because He's on the outside. So the lukewarm church, listen, is an independent church. Don't get alarmed. <laughs> well, Pastor, I thought we were like independent Baptists. We are. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But they were an independent church. They are completely fine doing church without Jesus. They were so occupied with themselves and their stuff that they didn't even know He was gone. Now, we often think of the word as independent as a good thing. And, and like in some cases, actually, it is a good thing. Uh, the, word, the definition for independent is not dependent, not subject to control by others. It is self-governing. And, and so sometimes we may talk about how that we, we are independent Baptists, but we're simply stating that, that we mean that we are independent or separate from other churches or organizations. We are self-governing. We're not dependent upon other churches or, or other uh, uh, organizations to control us. We are not independent from Christ. You understand that? So, so listen, we need to be a very independent, dependent church. <laughs> a very independent church where we're not dependent upon other churches, but at the same time, very dependent upon Christ. He is our head. We are to look to Him. And, and also, even within the church, we are not to live independent lives. And, and, I, and I think that, that we have kind of somewhat hurt the church at times because we promote a spirit of independence so much that is beyond what is healthy for us as individuals and as a church. We can try to live very independent lives with, as individuals in the church from the church. Very independent. Listen, the hand needs the foot, right? The nose needs the hand. We're not made to be independent members of the church in that sense. We are made to be dependent members in the church, dependent upon the Lord as our head and dependent upon one another to function as the Lord would have us to function as a body of Christ here at New Testament Baptist Church in Clarendon, Ohio. I think that the universal invisible church has done a lot of damage to a lot of people on an individual level. It, it has told them that they can be part of a universal church and sit at the house. And it has caused them to be independent, to try to function without a body of believers. Folks, we need the body of believers. We, the Lord has made us that way. And to think we can function without it the thing we can function without the body is a spirit of independence that says, I'm fine, I don't need the church. I don't need that. I don't need what the Lord has ordained for my health. <laughs> We're to look to Him, and we are to also live independent or dependent lives upon one another. The Lord tells us to be subject to one another. The, the word independent also means not subservient 
not subservient. Subservient means to be fitted or disposed to subserve or useful in an inferior capacity. It is not willing to do the work of a slave or servant of low degree. An independent person says, I'm not going to bow myself to that to do that. In other words, it's, it's kind of a spirit of pride. And so it is a, it's a prideful spirit that will not humble itself to serve others. The Laodicean church here, there's nothing said about anything good that they're actually doing. They're not a serving church. They're not serving others. You know, when we are abiding in the living Christ and He is abiding in us, then we will, shall humble ourselves as He is humble and, and we're willing to serve one another. And, and so I think this is so good. So you need to ask yourself this question. Are you so independent of others that not only do you not need anybody, but you don't even help anybody in need? <laughs> Listen, the lukewarm person, even in the child of God, there is a sense of need to serve. There's a sense of need to serve others. There's not just a, I need the people of God because I know I need their strength, I need their encouragement. There's that. A lukewarm person, that is not right there. But there's also a sense of, I need to serve. I think that's a good thing because you're wanting to, 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 to live out Christ in your life and wanting to help others. The lukewarm person is not like that. The self-sufficient person or church will do the opposite, will rather look down on the less fortunate and would, would never stoop to as low as to serve others that they would, in their own minds, deem as lesser. The self-sufficient person is full of self who would never think of others as better than themselves. They would never think like that. And so, if, if we do some honest self-evaluation... Ask ourselves the question, are we living independent of the church and of Christ? And think well, that we're doing just fine, and I mean, we're living independent of that, of the Lord and of His church, and we're doing just fine, and we don't need anything, and we don't need anybody. I, I don't need that. Now, maybe as an individual member, you can live a very independent life of the church. Maybe you can take church attendance or not. You're just fine without it. You don't need it as much as others. You're doing pretty good. You're standing strong. You don't need to worship as much as others. You don't need the body that Jesus has put you in as much as others. And even though you may not attend very regularly at all, even though you do not subject yourself to the rest of the church, and even though you do not serve others in the church, you say, I, I'm doing all right. I don't, I don't need anything. That, my friends, would be a lukewarm person. If you have the independent, lone rager, I'm all good on my own mentality, then yes, you are lukewarm. Now, this only makes us uncomfortable <laughs> if we're lukewarm. It should help us if we're not. And if it reveals lukewarmness, it should hopefully warm our hearts to want to get out of it. Christ has made us to function well and to function better when we are aware of our need of one another and of Him. Connected to His body, the church. 
Not content with just being on the church road, but actually being a part of the church. Connected to Christ. We need to be together. We need each other. And we all need Him here with us. If one of the reasons you just want to strive to come to the house of God is because you just want to be where the Lord is going to meet with us as His people. You want to be as close to Christ and to hear from Christ and to be with His people. You enjoy that. You want that. You need that. You need Him. You need the church. You need the people of God. You need the words of encouragement. You need the challenge. You know you're not perfect. You know you need to improve. You're not the lukewarm person. If I really don't have to have that, you know, that should, <laughs> then yes, you are lukewarm. If in an honest evaluation you say, oh, how I need, oh, how I need all that Christ can give me. I need His love, I need His presence, I need His power, I need His Word, I need His church, I need Him because I know that without Him I can do nothing, I am nothing. I feel and know every day how much I need Jesus Christ. Then my friend, then you are not lukewarm. The church, was; these people were fine with Jesus on the outside. Are you? <laughs> Don't know. I'm not fine with that. Then you're not lukewarm. You wake up in the mornings and say, I need Jesus more than I need anything. You're not lukewarm. If you can go through the day, not think of Him, and walk without Him, and you're doing all right, walking that life, really don't have to have the Lord too much, really don't have to have the church too much, really don't have the Word too much, just enough. No strong desires, no passion, no desire, then you would be lukewarm. You see, the one when he called them out of their lukewarmness, he called them into an intimacy with him. And that's what we cannot miss. That the solution was for them to open to him and that he would do what? He would come in to him and dine with him. Dining with him is, is, is a picture there of sitting down with him in a time of intimacy. Intimacy with Christ, it, 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 it expels lukewarmness. You can't be close to Jesus and dine with Jesus and sit with Jesus and remain lukewarm. And so if you desire that intimacy with Christ in your life, you desire His Word, His worship, everything about Christ you want, let me tell you what, then you are not lukewarm. When we are intimate with Christ and are hearing from Him, I think that we will be like the two on the road to Emmaus. Do you remember them? After they had walked with Jesus a little bit. Do you remember what they said after they had talked with Him? They said, Did not our heart what burn? <laughs> I love that. Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us on the road, and while He opened the Scriptures to us, does your heart burn from the Word of God, from the presence of Christ? Does it inflame you? Does it set your heart afire for Christ? Then you're not lukewarm. And that's a good thing. But beware, because lukewarmness happens to even those who have been hot at one point or another.
but a person who burns for Christ and His Word is not a lukewarm person. That's a Christian temperature that is hot. One that lives in constant and great need of Jesus and His Word, His worship, and His people. I cannot say I have need of nothing. I need everything about Christ. All that He is and all that He can give because without Him, I am nothing. Without Him, I have nothing. I am not content with this world's riches. I'm not content with this world's stuff. I need Christ more than I need anything. And with Him, I have everything. If that's the way we think, that's the way it's an honest evaluation, then we're not lukewarm. I don't want to be lukewarm. <laughs> I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't think you would want to either. May God help us. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us. If there is a spirit of lukewarmness about us, that you would show that to us. We'd be willing to see it, for one. And, that, and Lord, that when we see it, that we would cry out against it and ask for help. And, and Lord, that we would seek, to, Lord, to draw near to you and to, to dine with you and commune with you. And, and, and Lord, to, to have you near to us, to show us, Lord, yourself in the Word, that our hearts might burn and become zealous for you. Father, help us, I pray, to not be lukewarm individuals, and to not be a lukewarm church. Help us, Lord, to be on fire for Christ, for His glory, for His person, for His work, for His worship, for His people. Help us, Lord, to, to truly be so dependent upon Jesus Christ in every facet of our life. In His name we pray, and amen. Uh, do you already have a song picked out, David? I don't have to. <laughs> I, I was thinking of the song, uh, My All in All. Or I can't, is, that, is, that, is that the name of the song?